I'm Lauren. And I'm Renata. And I think the last time we recorded our episode, uh, the previous one, I was just about to leave for Prague. And now that we're mm. recording this one, I've just come back from Singapore. So um, I think we can actually finally say that my jet setting is complete. Yay! Which, yeah, it's actually, it's a, I guess on one hand, it's like, oh, you know, there's sort of a kind of a fun, exciting element to the traveling, but I mm. mostly just feel a sense of relief right now because it uh, it is tiring. It is fun. It is, it's interesting, but it's tiring. So. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot out of you. And I mean, you went to Prague. I don't know. You went during the week. You went on like the Monday, the Sunday or the Monday, and then came back on the Friday and flew again on the Saturday or something like that to Singapore. You were home for a day or two. Mm. Not quite as tight as that. Um, I flew to Prague Sunday to a Wednesday, and uh-huh. then Singapore was the next Sunday. Uh, no, was it not? No, it was not. It was the next Monday. Sorry, the next Monday. Okay. That's the thing. It's also when you're traveling so much, you kind of lose track of which day is which and, you know, like, which way is up. Yes. But. Yes. But it's done now. And you've got, I feel like, wow, the end of your year has been jam-packed. I mean, since you've been traveling since... September, October, and now you've got mm. more stuff that has to happen before the year can end. Yeah, you know, it's the you know end of the year, suddenly you realize you only have like 10 working days left in, in this year and uh, have a couple of things to wrap up before then. So yeah, it does still feel like there's a lot going on, but uh, at least I am doing it from the comfort of my home in Switzerland. Yes. Yes, at least you'll be at home for that. You'll be sleeping in your own bed. You know how disruptive it is when you don't yes. sleep in your own bed and like it takes you a few nights to get used to it, but then then it all changes again. Yeah. And you know what? In the first night you sleep in a hotel bed, it's never a good night. You... Yes. Well, at least for me, it's never a good night. It always uh, really takes some getting used to the new bed. Mm. But... Um... You know, saying that my jet setting is done is probably not quite correct because mm-hmm. next week Saturday, so not this coming Saturday, the next one in, I don't know, what is it, 10 days or so, uh, we're flying to Berlin, uh, Stefan mm-hmm. and I, because we're going to go do Christmas with my parents and you're meeting us there. So I am. jet setting, not yet complete. Yes, and I will join you on that now. I must be honest, yes. I am dreading the flight because um, I realized you and I were chatting last night and I realized that the night before on Sunday night, I sent you a message and said, right now I will have been in the air for about an hour or just over an hour. That yeah. was at like 9, 9.45 or something, 9.45 p.m. I fly at quarter past nine. And then yesterday you messaged me at eight o'clock and said, you will be here this time next week. And I was like, actually, I will not yet be there. And then I was like, fuck, that's long. <laughs> I had a whole work day. <laughs> I went to the gym. I did fucking everything that you would do in a normal day. And then I had this like realization that I was like, fuck, I would still be sitting on the same seats on an airplane. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. And you're doing it in cattle class. So. Yes, 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 yes. I am very thankful to have um, particular adult pills that can help me sleep. 
I'm assuming um, that's not Viagra. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got uh, anxiety medication that I needed years ago that I may or may not have gotten in doses that are too high and they zonk you out properly. So it might be a good idea for me to try them before I get on the airplane. But, you know, we'll see how we go. Maybe. Maybe. I don't yes. Think I yes, have time it would be a good idea. Before I fly. Uh, well, well, I mean, you have a weekend, right? Busy weekends, both of them. This weekend coming, um, I'm my Sunday is fully booked out. And Saturday, I've got brunch plans. So I need to be awake early on both days. So that's not going to work. And the following weekend, I need to make sure that I've got everything because I fly on the Monday night, Christmas Day, mm. and I need to do all my peacocking on the Sunday. <laughs> so, well, you're so, this is me, so it's fine. You don't have to peacock for me. Yes, but you want to feel good when you do these things, right? So I want to have my eyebrows on fleek. I want well, my hair's done, sort of. It's fine. My nails need to be done. My toes need to be done. They've got five weeks that my toenails need to last, so... <laughs> I can guarantee you that at no one point in wintry Europe will you be walking around barefoot. See, but that's the thing. I'm going from days that range between minus 10 and 5 degrees to days that range between 30 and 40 degrees. So, yes, I might not need to be presentable when I get to Europe, but I need to be presentable when I when I enter summer. And uh, I will also need to see whether my bag is big enough because I've got a large and a mid-sized bag and ugh, although I intend for to not pack everything I am very largely an overpacker very much so I'm afraid so. that I suffer from the same affliction so <laughs> it is a problem but it, you know it's like when you're packing for a trip you, it, you're running through your mind of every possible situation you know, and some of them are probably like quite unrealistic, but I mean, you just don't want to be caught in a situation and suddenly realize, oh shit, I should have brought that rain jacket. Yes. I keep trying to remem- remind myself, remember myself. I keep trying to remind myself that <laughs> like I, worst case scenario, I can just buy what I need there, especially when it comes to like toiletries. And if I need, I don't know, medication, yeah. I'm not bringing much in the way of medication. I have like a tiny little backup of nausea, diarrhea, bladder, pain. But like if I really need anything, I can just walk into a pharmacy there and buy it, right? So I'm trying to keep in mind that I don't need to bring everything. But Mm. there are so many small little things that also still need to be remembered. Like Mm. your Christmas gifts or my microphone to record. So... Maybe we should get into our topic of the day. Yes, let's do it. So I wanted to chat today a little bit about conflict and um, the reason, I guess, that that this came up for me was just an experience that I had recently with um, a patient at work that had come in for an examination and at the end of it had told me that I was being patronizing. And that had caught me a little bit off guard. And I'm someone who shuts down in the face of conflict. Now, although this is in a professional 
setting, it had me reflecting on my sort of my reaction to conflict. It's something that I've thought of over the years or over the last two years or so a lot is how I manage conflict. Because I feel like if someone confronts me about something negative, it can be anything negative. I feel like I go into tunnel vision. My whole world sort of goes black and everything around me closes in on me and my my heart rate goes up, my breathing rate go up, I will break out in a cold sweat, my stomach is instantly upset and I don't know how to respond. Although I can listen to what's being said in the moment, I struggle to process exactly what's being said. Um, and then I struggle to re- respond to that that conflicted situation. And I've been trying to find something that will help me sort of think in a level-headed way in those moments so that I don't respond with emotion. I respond logically and honestly or truthfully to what, well, what my reality is in that moment, but in a way that will not make the other person feel like they need to jump to the defense as well. Hmm. I think you might be looking for something elusive there. Yes. Well, look, I guess everyone has their own management styles of conflict, right? And everyone reacts in their own ways. And mine just happens to be a physiological response where my body is like, nope, going to shut down in this moment. Um, But for me to try and... Because in the face of conflict, if, if someone is arguing with you well with me or fighting with me or it becomes negative then nine out of ten times I don't know how to respond and I just respond based on what I'm feeling in the moment and all logic sort of goes out the window and I'd like to have better strategies of even though that emotion does come into into play I want to be able to think on my feet in those moments I don't want to afterwards be like oh but I should have said this so I should have said that because you know, you don't want to revisit a difficult situation later if you could sort it out in mm. the moment. Yeah, so that kind of got me doing a little bit of research on it. And I came across a podcast by um, a guy called Simon Good, who is a conflict specialist and mediator. Um, the podcast is called Conflict Skills. And what he said, I guess, gave me a little bit of um, it almost you know how when you're looking for something to justify your own actions, you find it. That's what I felt (laughs) in this podcast. I just thought the, the information that he was giving was interesting um, and valid to, to take on board and understand when dealing with conflict. So doing a little bit of research on this, there was a heap of information out there on dealing with conflict in a professional setting. Most of it is sort of targeted to that workplace setting. So it took a little bit of digging for me to find exactly what it was that I wanted to share with us today. So what we will be talking about is more of an interpersonal level, interpersonal conflict. And we'll start off with a little bit of a definition of it. So interpersonal conflict is conflict that involves two or more people and usually different due to different beliefs, backgrounds, opinions, personalities, or interests. And these disagreements can be personal, physical, emotional, or of course, professional. According to Simon Good, and a textbook that I found on uh, from Joan Wagner for sort of targeted at the nursing industry, 
they explain that understanding why conflict arises will help move towards better resolution thereof. And there are four major types of conflict. The first one is data conflicts. Now, data conflicts occur when people lack the information necessary to make wise decisions and are misinformed or disagree over which data is relevant. They interpret information differently or have competing assessment procedures. This type of conflict is usually the simplest one to overcome. Um, and in so you would be adopting the process to ensure that both parties receive the data in the same way. And um, so taking a look at what they have to say here, there's also the second is relationship conflicts. So these are problems that often result in what have been called unrealistic or unnecessary conflicts since they may occur even when objective preconditions for conflict, such as limited resources or mutually exclusive goals, are not present. They occur due to the presence of strong emotion, for example, jealousy, mistrust, hatred, and are created from perceptions, uh, or probably you could even say misperceptions, uh, poor communication, stereotypes, and so on. So relationship conflicts often fuel disputes and cause them to escalate. The third one is value conflicts, and this is a type of conflict that is caused by perceived or actual incompatible value systems. So values are beliefs people use to give meaning to life and to explain what is good, bad, right or wrong. So value conflicts occur only when people attempt to force one set of values on another or lay claim to exclusive value systems which do not allow for divergent beliefs. And the last type is a structural conflict. Structural conflicts are caused by oppressive patterns of human relationships. These patterns are often shaped by forces external to people in the dispute. Often the disputes have no reason to be in conflict other than for a structural problem that is imposed on their relationship. And they may be overcome by identifying the structural problem and working to change it. Now, Data and structural conflicts have external sources of conflict and are typically easier to resolve, which can be done by changing something in the external environment. Now, conversely, relationship and value conflicts relate to internal sources of conflict and can be a lot more difficult to resolve. So understanding relationship and value conflict requires a deep internal awareness and probably more so an empathy for other people. Now, resolving relationship and value conflicts may significantly significantly challenge an individual's personal perspectives and generally makes the process a lot more difficult. Typically, when we're under stress or are in an escalated conflict, we reach for data and structural solutions to resolve the conflict, and these solutions rarely require time and effort. And this had me reflecting a little bit on my conflicted situations I can't say that personally I've ever been in a data conflict that cannot easily be resolved because I mean that's easy that's something that you reach for a research article or something that either proves or disproves Mm. what you say I'm someone that can easily swallow my words and um, acknowledge fault or acknowledge that I'm wrong accept that I'm wrong I'm very quick to 
be open-minded and accept, you know, I might be saying the wrong thing or I might not, not be right. But more often than not, it's either a values conflict or a relationship conflict for me mm. when I'm faced with a conflicted situation. I almost make it sound as though I'm in conflict every day. <laughs> <laughs> Which we know you're not. So <laughs> no, not by happy person. No. <laughs> so I think I'd say it's probably about the same for me. I think uh, you know how you said that, you know, it's fine, you know, if if you're wrong, you know, you're happy to admit to it and everything. And I must admit that's something that's been a bit of a struggle in the mm-hmm. past for me. But that's more of a, well, yeah, I guess it does. I mean, yes, it, is, it does relate to conflict, obviously. But um, yeah. Now, there was another part of a different podcast episode that I was listening to on how to deal with conflict and how to sort of work on it and move past it. And I'm very open to acknowledging that this works for a lot of people, for probably most people. I am a bit of a a skeptic and I guess I'm very heavily reliant on what literature says or what the evidence says. So mm-hmm. I have before seen a psychologist um, who has tried giving me strategies that I guess are similar to this. And in this podcast episode, they were talking about it from a psychological standpoint and how you can use deep breathing to get through a conflicted situation or you can focus on your surroundings or you can focus on your five senses and what your senses are feeling. So this guy was talking about how you can, you know, focus on what you're seeing, focus on what you're hearing in your environment. Are you hearing birds? Are you hearing cars? Are you hearing other people talking? Or if you've got a table in front of you, feeling the grains of the wood. And the first thing that came to mind for me when I was listening to this was, but then I'm not listening to what the other person is saying. Then I'm just distracting myself and I will not pay attention to what this person is saying. And that will not help me resolve the conflict because then I'm just not going to be listening to them. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, that just makes it worse because then they don't feel heard. So. Yes. Yes. So contrary to what might work mm. for most people, and I very fully acknowledge that it can work for most people, just knowing myself, I feel like, Focusing on what I'm smelling or what I'm tasting or what I'm hearing in the moment is not going to solve my problem in the moment. I don't think I'm even on that kind of level. Is that in a conflict situation for me, I actually feel like my mind kind of goes blank. Like, yes. I. It's, yeah, not capable of processing, of thinking on this level of, you know, and I guess sometimes that translates into a little bit of a juvenile, like, you know, just responding or just, you know, getting more and more upset and emotional and then just responding without even thinking, you know, not taking that step back, which yes, like you say, you acknowledge it probably works for a lot of people and like probably what you should do, but just, it just, yeah, that's, that doesn't come to me naturally either. Well, that's it, right? Because you do naturally become heightened in those moments. You do escalate on some level, more so an emotional level, because it's natural to jump to the defense. Everyone will Mm. jump to the defense to either 
defend yourself in a situation or justify why you're doing what you're doing. It's, it's human reaction. And Mm. that was where I feel like, even though, even though what I'm doing, I might be wrong. You naturally want to defend yourself, but how do you, how do you in that moment acknowledge that what the other person is saying is also valid because that is a part of their reality and not negate the fact that other people are feeling what they are feeling. Yes. In some instances it's necessary to say, Hey, look, I don't agree with you, Mm. but if you and I have a dispute, you know, what you're experiencing is your reality until proven wrong. Yeah. It is your reality. Mm. It's a bit of a tricky one. Mm. And it's something I don't think we will have the answers to. I don't think I will ever really find something that, that gives you the answers to it, but I would very much like to be the diplomat in that situation and be able to consider all the different options in that moment, or at the very least be open-minded or level-headed enough to agree to disagree or to, to be able to think on the spot and give reasoning sound enough for the other person to also accept and be like, Oh, okay. Yes. That actually makes sense. Rather than just send them into such a heightened state that everyone stomps away and doesn't want to speak to one another. Yeah. I think you're right that we're not going to pin that one down because for me, it's almost like, I don't know. I feel like I definitely have to reflect and think a little bit more about this because at first glance, it makes me feel like my conflict resolution style can sometimes be a bit juvenile because I do feel like sometimes, okay, I just need to walk away. I just need to, um, you know, on the one hand, want to talk it out, want to really resolve it all, really go to, into every minute detail. But on the other hand, just walk away. Yes. And uh, probably neither of them are appropriate all the time. So. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. That I think acknowledging that and sa- saying that that's juvenile, I don't agree with that. And that will bring us very nicely into the next part on dealing with conflict. But acknowledging that you want to walk away is very much a, stra- a style and it is a way of dealing with it. And it allows you to walk away and sort of think about it in a level headed way that allows you to come back and resolve it logically and rationally rather than thinking with emotion in the moment. So actually a good strategy, something that I wouldn't be calling juvenile, something that might not always be applicable, but is applicable in most situations or many situations. Yeah. I think that's also probably a good thing to say too, is that I, I think it depends on the type of conflict situation as well is, I mean, there's a difference between whether you're having a, uh, an argument with your partner at home versus whether exactly like you said and the, there's lots of information on workplace conflict but I mean there's a difference between how you'd handle it in a situation you can't walk away from to a situation you can yes so yeah yes so there's no no one size fits all but uh yeah maybe you're right okay I retract calling it juvenile <laughs> well Thomas and Kilman are researchers who have developed a conflict mode instrument, um, an evidence-based instrument, and they describe the five different approaches to dealing with conflict and when to use them. Now, just very quickly naming them, the approaches are avoiding, 
competing, accommodating, compromising, and collaborating. Now, avoiding is the most common method of dealing with conflict. It is especially done so by people who view conflict negatively. Um, and it is dodging the issue until it resolves itself, pushing the problem into the future or just altogether ignoring it. Avoiding conflict is some, sometimes the right path to pursue for individuals that need time to calm down or seek clarity and collect their thoughts. In a professional setting, it is good to use it sparingly because it can show that you are able to solve issues with a clear mind, but if used in the wrong situations, it can make conflict worse. You can seem incompetent and as though you're incapable mm. of willing or unwilling to handle disagreements. So they say to consider using an avoidant approach to conflict when you don't have the time to manage the conflict in the moments, when you aren't sure about how you feel about the issue yet, when it makes others feel uncomfortable, or when there is very high tension in the situation. I am not someone that can very easily walk away from a conflicted situation. I can avoid it by ignoring it completely. I can walk away from it and be like, nope, that just needs to disappear. I'm not going to pay attention to that. Or I need to be there in the moment and it needs to be resolved now. Because if I walk away from a situation, then I'm going to bubble and brew and eventually I'm going to explode and I'm going to come back all teary-eyed and in incomprehensible anyway <laughs> <laughs> hmm I think well yeah I would say that that's also me most of the time I mean I know I just spoke now about you know walking away from conflict for a bit but I mean in all honesty the number of times I'm able to do that is not that much mm. um but as interesting as that I you know, when I was reading through this and I saw avoiding conflict is that my first thought was like, okay, but that feels really negative because conflict is a part of life. Yes. And it doesn't seem like a good strategy to avoid conflict. Um, and I guess, you know, that they have also spoken about like when you should, you know, when is this kind of thing appropriate? But my first like initial thought was, okay, but avoiding conflict is not healthy either. Mm. So I am more inclined to avoid conflict at all costs. I have such a physiological response to it that I feel uncomfortable even anticipating that there might be a conflicted situation to the point where it makes me physically sick. Like my stomach is upset. I'm nauseous. I break out in cold sweats. Um, and it can be any sort of conflicted situation it can be telling a friend that you disagree with them or receiving feedback at work or you know anything mm. where there could be either conflict or negative feedback my body's like nope fuck you we'll spend the day in the toilet hmm. interesting that you feel it so acutely in a physical sense Mm. And I have no idea where or why, but I shut down. My mind goes blank, like you said earlier, and just can't think straight. Cannot think straight, but I'm working on it. That's why we are here today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I applaud you for that. 
<laughs> now, the next one is the competing style. Now, a competitive conflict management style best fits with the opinionated individual. When you choose to use a conflict management style, you take a firm stance with a mindset of negotiating what you want. It focuses more on logical negotiation and less on empathy with others. This conflict management style so solves disputes very quickly. It may come off as authoritarian, though, and make people hesitant to bring up ideas, concerns, or feedback, and should therefore be used cautiously. Um, handling conflicts by crushing dissent may not be beneficial to the relationship. Now, competitive conflict management style sounds intimidating and unappealing, but there are times that it may be necessary to keep it going. You can use this approach when you need to stand up for yourself or your values or your morals. When a less forceful conflict management style is providing ineffective or is counterintuitive. And when there has been no change. And again, I feel like it's very situation specific. Mm. Um, I guess it's also... Maybe I, I'm generalized. I don't know. Whatever. But I kind of feel like I mean, an authoritarian, a, not an authoritarian, a competitive conflict management style. I like that's something I would imagine seeing in a workplace. That's not something I would imagine in yes. an intimate relationship between two people, for example. So very, very situation specific, in my opinion. Yes, yes. Although I must say, I've probably come across a competitive management style in personal situations, but it also largely depends on the person's uh, personality. If they are someone that does not back down and has to be right in every situation, then they're probably more likely to compete with you. So the next one that they speak about is that if you have an accommodating conflict management style, you put aside your own priorities and focus on others. And when you do this, small disagreements can be handled quickly with minimal effort. However, accommodating too often can also have its detriments. Accommodation should especially be avoided when making major decisions. So using this conflict management style as a way to address decisions specifically will not yield lasting solutions. Depending on your personality, it can be very easy or hard to accommodate. So this is an approach that you could consider taking, for example, when you can tell that your peer or the person in the conflict cares a lot more about it than you, or when it's important to keep the peace, when there is no other solution, or when in actual fact you are wrong, then that is most <laughs> certainly the appropriate moment <laughs> at which you should be accommodating. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Or even just admit that you are wrong. Don't accommodate anyone. Just be like, oh, yes. Okay. I acknowledge that I'm wrong. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do that. And then that is the quickest way to resolve it. Yes. <laughs> the next one is a collaborating or a collaborative conflict style management. Conflict management style. Um, collaborating <laughs> is a combination of being assertive and cooperative. Now, embracing this style means that you have a win-win situation. You'll work with others to find a solution that is fully satisfying everyone and minimizes negative feelings. Um, all parties will contribute 
to the solution in this instance. Collaboration often leads to long-term solutions and there is buy-in from all parties. However, this style of management is very time-consuming. So you can consider using it perhaps when the relationship is very important, when the final solution will have a significant impact, when interests, needs and beliefs of all people need to be considered, and when the issue impacts many people. And then lastly, you have a compromising conflict management style. So with a compromising conflict management style, issues can be resolved a lot quicker than with a collaborative conflict management style, which uh, we just heard as well, takes a little bit more time. But a positive side effect that you will see is that those who are involved will leave understanding more about the other person's perspective and opinions. But nobody will leave completely contained with the solution. One side might feel that they've compromised too much and be unwilling to engage in this type of conflict management in the future. So you could consider this style as an approach to conflict management when, for example, when reaching a solution is more important than the solution itself, when you need a temporary solution, or when you're at a standstill in a conflict, when you want to motivate someone to move towards collaborating, or when there is no possible solution that will make both parties happy. I think it's important to note that most people have one dominant style of dealing with conflicts and often may not be aware of other conflict management styles or comfortable adopting other styles, or they may not yet have developed their capacity to shift from their personal style of conflict to another. Now, in these instances, it may be helpful to understand the needs that exist beneath the surface of conflict and take a flexible approach depending on the situation or the person that you're in conflict with. And there are a few examples of what people may need in these different situations. I'm very quickly going to run through them. Um, an avoider might need to feel physically and emotionally safe. You need to try and take time to assure them that they're going to be heard and listened to. A competitor may feel that something may need to feel that something will, will be accomplished in order to meet their goals. And you may say, for example, we will work out a solution. It might just take a little bit of time for us to get there. A compromiser may need to know that they will get something later. So you might say, we will go to this movie tonight and then next week you can choose which one and then you live up to that. An accommodator may need to know that no matter what happens during the conversation, your relationship will remain intact. So you might say, for example, this will not impact how we work together or this won't impact our relationship significantly. And a collaborator may need to know what you want before they are comfortable sharing their own needs. So you might say something like, I need X, Y, Z. What is it that you need from this? And I think that gives me a bit more of an understanding of what to identify in the moment when people, you know, when I'm feeling particularly heightened or I'm feeling like I'm shutting down, like I can't really focus on what's being said, at least I can identify that, okay, this person appears to be approaching the situation in this way. This is what I need to be focusing on. 
Although I think it'll take a little bit of work for me to get to the point where that's actually possible and that I'm able to think level-headedly mm. like that. Um, understanding how to respond in those situations will make it easier for me to understand how I feel, but also give the other, maybe a bit of a reflection that I'm more of an accommodating or compromiser, accommodating person mm. or compromiser in these situations, but will help me understand what the other person needs and how I should be responding in those situations to, I guess, appease both parties. Yeah. I think it's definitely, it's a work in progress, right? I think if anything, there's just, highlights once again that humans are complex beings and we will all approach a situation a conflict whatever we'll all approach in a different way and it's actually also unrealistic to expect yourself to fully understand or just automatically know how to handle every single conflict situation like you know from the very first second so Mm -hmm. I really do think it is a work in progress and it is something that takes takes a little bit of time but like Mm -hmm. really kudos to you to having that level of self-awareness identifying that it's something that is uh, difficult for you and um something that you want to work on as well um I think it can only just it'll just uh I think it's a it's a it'll only make you stronger and I also think it's actually it's a good um it's a good motive it's a good motivation for us for others as well to also maybe do a little bit more introspection into this because I don't think the average person thinks about mm. conflict management to this level. So mm. definitely mm. hope it in... gives the listeners something to think about as well. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. I've been in a number of situations um, probably over the past couple of years where I felt like I walked away from a situation and felt like I could have handled it better in the moment or I could have sp- stood up for myself more or been more steadfast in what I believe rather than compromising what other people expect from you or want from you and then just giving in and that's something that I genuinely feel like I need to work on because at what at what point do I not compromise on myself anymore so it's important to me to be be strong in what I believe and what I want for myself but then know how to utilize those skills in situations where it's actually necessary rather than walk away from it later and be Mm. like oh but this is what I believe or this is what I should have said Mm. Mm. Uh, well I think that wraps it up for us today if you heard something that you agree with or that this resonated with you please leave a comment for us and let us know what you think um, or reach out on social media we're on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook Uh, I have completely forgotten the remainder of what the end of our episodes comprise of so if you enjoyed it send us a rating leave us a review or reach out on social media go and hit that follow button until next week bye Bye.